Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So today, again, it's my privilege to introduce the Teen Challenge Choir. They, they, it's just a, becoming a tradition for us to have them here every year. It's just a, an honor to hear how God continues to be in the business of changing lives. And I hope our prayer, what we pray for each one of you here today is that you would hear these stories. And maybe it's a friend, a family member, or maybe even you. You're struggling with some sort of challenge that just seems, you know what, I can't do this on my own. The reality is you can't. You can't do it on your own, but but God. And that's the story here is what God can do, you know, is limitless. And so we just want to invite you to listen. Would you just give them, you know, a, a life true welcome? I invite John to come on up and uh, introduce the team to you today. And uh, thanks for coming. Good morning, Life Tree. Thank you, Pastor Dan and the congregation, for having us here today. Uh, we know, and I felt your excitement to have us here just as excited as we are to be here. And uh, for all of you who aren't familiar with Teen Challenge, we are promoted as a drug rehabilitation facility, but we're not at all a drug rehabilitation facility. We are concerned about the souls of the men who are given under our care. And the only way to save a soul is through the power of Jesus Christ. And that is what we believe in and that is what we feed these men in the living hope that resides inside Jesus Christ, which is the Holy Spirit that is promised to all of those who believe in him and receive him. So that is what these men are confronted with when they come in. That is what they, they struggle with when they come in, you know, to, to know how to be saved, how to come to believe. Because it doesn't just come natural. When they come in, they've been beaten down, broke down, not understanding where all the root of everything has come from. But we have bring it to their attention, and our program is designed to focus on the root of that, which is our sinful nature in man. I mean, what sense would it make to overcome an addiction but still go straight to hell? What sense would it make? I mean, you're going to hell. You're going to hell happy. You're going to hell addiction free. You're still going to hell without Jesus Christ in your heart and without the Holy Spirit residing within you. So when the men come into the program, they are confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ and given an opportunity to accept and receive him in their hearts. They are given an opportunity to overcome every fear or failure that they've ever confronted in their lives and to put it all behind them, to have a clean slate, a fresh slate, under the blood that Christ has sacrificed his life for them. And they are given an opportunity to walk with clarity in their minds. Because in in that addiction, it totally takes over your mind. I don't know if any of you have experienced it, but I have. And it takes over your mind. You have no sense of direction. You have no self-worth. You don't even know who you are. You totally lose your identity in sin. And you're just covered in it. And when you receive Jesus Christ, that veil is just lifted off. And you can actually see life that he offers you. 
and also which gives them a, a purpose to live. And they've come to find out and realize that their purpose in life is to glorify God and not themselves because it's a self-centered disease. You knew the next slide. Since we've been here, we have been doing a lot of uh, upgrading to our facility, our newer facility, which is located in Lebanon, New Jersey. And we have opened up dorms 2, 3, and 4, which doubled the capacity, which we were at 30. Now we're actually at 60. And we're actually looking forward into the future. Uh, by next year, we'll have dorms 5, 6, and 7 opened, which will uh, we'll have up to 90 men and 90 beds available, which will triple our original capacity. There's eight buildings been renovated on the property, all debt-free because of your contributions from your church and from all the other churches that support our ministry. We have done that debt-free. Uh, we've also implemented life coaching for the men who come into the later phase, into the fifth phase, which we have, uh, which been, has been a huge impact in uh, pressing on these guys to set goals and to achieve them little by little, daily goals, weekly goals, uh, monthly goals, and, and just to actually take a look into their future and have some control over the direction that it's moving in. We've also implemented clinical counseling, which is one-on-one and group therapy, and a transitional program, which allows men who finish the program but aren't ready to just totally jump out into the world and take on all the bills and stresses of life. So they're allowed to work off campus, receive an income, and pay a small uh, monthly rental fee for, uh, for a place that resides on our property and still held accountable for their lifestyle that they live. They're still held accountable for all the rules that the same rules that apply to the men in the program apply to them also. And they're just willing to take that on. Because, I mean, without accountability, I mean, how do you really know how you're walking? So they definitely still need some structure and development. And it just takes time to go from nothing to something that's going to stand firm and stand and last and endure the hardships of life. So we also, any man who does not come into our facility with an equivalent of a high school diploma is mandatory for them to receive a, a GED. And we also, we do have a couple men, two or three men right now who are involved in that, hoping to take the test and overcome and achieve that accomplishment in their lives. Next slide. Here is some of the renovations that have been made. You can see see on the left, that's the before, and on the right is the after. There's also uh, an upgrade in mattresses, if you can see, therapeutic mattresses, tempurpedic mattresses, and uh, more durable, adult-like bunk structures. <laughs> and uh, also on the on the bottom right, you can see that's an individual room. Each dorm has an individual room for a dorm leader who holds the men accountable to the standards and the rules and regulations of the program. Uh, next next slide. Here is the inside of our chapel, the focal and centerpiece of our property. As you can see on the left there, that's the before. On the right is the after. We've made a beautiful difference in that. And the interior is all up to date. Uh, electronics, uh, speakers, sound system, everything is brand new. Lighting for uh, t- 
TV monitors in there. So if any of you have not yet uh, visited and toured the property, we just allow you to and invite you to come up and, and, and take a visit and a tour of our property. It's definitely unbelievable. Next slide. Here is some of the fruit of the labor through uh, Teen Challenge. Some of our graduates, uh, Steve, who becomes a, is a worship leader out in Tennessee, who's recently married and has custody of his two children that he lost prior to coming into our program. So we praise God for that. And he is a worship leader for his church out there in Tennessee also. DJ, who graduated from us just a year and a half ago, has gone to Bible College in Pennsylvania for pastoral ministries. I believe he was here with us last year and uh, testified. Um, Herb, who's up in North Dakota ministering to the youth. Pastor Markal, who's a head uh, pastor of Middlesex AG. And Nick and Bruce, who are back into the workforce. Bruce, who's actually the owner of a lot of the construction company that did a lot of the renovations on our property, who we were able to work with him. Next slide. Here you'll see some of the other ways to support our ministry with our, I'm not sure if we had the tea last time we came here, but we have a tea challenge now. <laughs> so for any of you tea drinkers, uh, there's coffee for change still, which is uh, located at our reference table in, in the hallway you passed by when you came in. And our uh, four volumes of our Change Lives book which is 10 testimonies of men and women who have gone through the Teen Challenge program and their testimony on how their lives have been transformed through the power of Jesus Christ through going through our, uh, our, one of our Teen Challenge programs throughout the New England area. Next slide. So we have acquired a piece of property in Piles Grove, New Jersey, which is the future site of uh, Teen Challenge for Women in New Jersey, which will be only the second open women's facility within the New England and New Jersey area. So we're having some, some issues getting the permits to, to have the facility. It seems like the community is not welcoming us with open arms. So we can use all your prayers and all your support um, in that. So definitely keep us in your prayers and uh, pray for the, the right em employment uh, people to be hired on so that they can drive these women to know who Jesus Christ is. And also for the finances. Next slide. All right, so we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So we appreciate any of you guys who can follow us on that. We do uh, show our live um, feeds from any of our spiritual um, emphases down in Brockton. It's live. You can catch it on Facebook. All our graduations, which are quarterly, every three months we have, we provide that on Facebook also. And you can also be updated and new testimonies are put on there uh, weekly. And uh, you can just be updated on all the current events and everything that you can do to help support our ministry. Next slide. All right. Is there anyone that did not receive one of these prayer cards when they came in today? Just raise your hand. Harold, you want to get now? Just keep your hand raised so we can get you one. On these cards, there is a place to write your prayer requests, which the men pray over twice a day, once at 6.30 in the morning and once at 7 o'clock in the evening. 
And on the other side is your personal information where you can receive a monthly newsletter, which will give you current events and uh, new testimonies. Every month are going out uh, on that newsletter. And we'll also probably be giving you a call once or twice a year to ask you to plant a seed in Teen Challenge Ministry. So just to be upfront with you and uh, to let you know that, that we probably will give you a call if, you're, uh, if you check off to be contacted by phone. All right, so now is the time you've all been waiting for. Testimony time. Time to give God the glory uh, and the first man who will provide you with his own personal testimony is a man I look up to, uh, a man that had a lot of loss and had to face it and accept the point that it has all been taken from him. Had the house, had the wife, had the great job, had all of that and had to count it all as a loss. Because God said, without me, you have nothing. And this man has shown such a great improvement in his trust in God and Christ since he's been into the program. That's why I look up to him. He had a lot more uh, loss than I've ever, ever gained in my life. So I look up to him for that. I present to you Mr. Eric Anderson. Thank you, John. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Thank you very much. Yeah, John... Uh, nailed it there. I had a lot. And um, I was on a fast track of corporate world and corporate work and making essentially hasty decisions. Hasty decisions at a time in which I hadn't overcome uh, a lot of codependency on people, places, and things. And because I was making right decisions for 20, 25 years, I figured they just continued. Well, God got to a point with me where he said enough is enough. And you built this house of cards, and now I'm going to take it down. But I'm going, to be, I'm going to be kind to you, and I'm going to preserve you, and I'm going to watch over you. Even though you did things in your own strength, I'm going to now bring you to a place where I can rebuild you. And that's what God has done. He's opened the door at Teen Challenge, and I needed a roof over my head. I need to, I need to, to resolve a lot of issues that I had from youth through young adult through adult that I just couldn't do in a nine-to-five nine to job. I just, I just couldn't do it. And, um, and I couldn't put the pieces together from a decision-making standpoint about what to do and when to do it and, and how to do it. And I just needed to regroup. And I had gotten to the end, and I just said, you know, I know that God can help me. I know that God can help me in this mess that I've just created. So let me run to him. Let me run to him. Because I'm not getting it anymore. It's basically where I got to. I'm, I'm just not getting it anymore. And I, I, I reached the end of my ability to make decisions in my own strength. So I made this one final decision, which there was an open door teen challenge, and I took it. And thank God that I took it uh, because I've been able to rest. I've been able to um, seek the Lord. I've been able to work within the, the structure of their program to, uh, to build me back up and to... Uh, get my mind right, get it renewed with Christ. And, you know, it really boils down to relationship. It boils down to relationship. You know, over the years, I thought I was digging deep in the Lord, but I didn't dig deep enough. I didn't, I didn't work um, long and hard enough on my relationship with the Lord. And in the end, it's, it's the vertical you got to get right. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Yeah, the horizontal, the relationships with people, the 
the, the things that will come, you know, the needs being met, that'll come, but it's getting the vertical right that, that's the most important. And, uh, and that's really seeking his face day in and day out. And, um, you know, things are good, but things, you know, as, the, as, as I'm paraphrasing the scripture, but, you, you know, you cast but a glance to wealth and it'll sprout wings and fly away. You know, and that's what it did to me. Um, you know, I had made a lot of money on a house sale. Um, I had a big, powerful job at a pharmaceutical company. Um, but I was doing ministry at the same time, and I just couldn't, um, I couldn't balance things. I couldn't balance both worlds, and I, and I started to chart my own path as opposed to God deciding what I should do. I decided what I, I should do. You know, I had a big bank account as a result of a house sale. I had a big job, and I figured, I got this. I got this, and I'll start doing things you know, for God in a certain way, according to my plan, but it wasn't God's plan. And, um, you know, I heard a preacher said, uh, say one time, it's, you know, everything you do for the Lord, whether it's going to church or reading the word, you know, it's good because it's cumulative, but God has a specific assignment for all of us to do. And many times he just brings it to you. I heard a preacher one time, you know, say that to me. He brings it to you as opposed to you necessarily having to create it. You know, when you start creating it, um, you know, that's, and it's not God's will, that's when things go awry. So I'm very thankful, very thankful for what God's done in my life. I'm thankful that he, that the spirit is stronger than the flesh. You know, and thank God the spirit is stronger than the flesh, because the flesh always wants to run. And that's what I've been doing, I've been running, running from God. Well, there's only one earth. There's only a certain amount of miles that go around the earth, you know. And, uh, and God will find you wherever you go, you know, whether you're in a room uh, whether you're in another state, he'll find you. You can't run from God. That's the one thing that I will definitely walk away. And when God allows me to, you know, opens another door, you know, determines what I should do next, is you cannot run from God. You know, he's the hound from heaven. I know David Wilkerson, who ran this ministry, used to use that as a phrase. He's the hound from heaven. He will chase you down. No matter where you go, what you do, whatever your circumstances is, he'll find you in the midst of your problem. That's a good thing. Because he doesn't want you to try to wrestle your problems out on your own. He wants to help you. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know, and he just wants us to come to him and to, and to rest in him and to trust in him. Trust in him is just so important. And, um, you know, he'll move the mountain for you. He'll move the mountain for you. And he'll part the sea. He definitely will. But we have to trust him and we have to rely on him. And we have to believe that he's going to show up and show off. According to his timing, not too, not too soon but not too late as well. So I just want to encourage you, you know, God has helped me. When we run to God, he will help you. And he's been helping me in Teen Challenge. I just thank God, you know, for the open door. I thank God for the fellowship of the brothers, uh, you know, the brothers behind me, the brothers that are still at the camp, um, the brothers that are coming and gone, you know. Pray for, pray for the men that are in this program. Um, you know, I didn't suffer from an immediate um, alcohol or addiction, and all the guys are. We all have different different concerns, but... You know, some guys leave the program. We don't like to see that, you know. They get, they get you know, the, the enemy comes in and drives them out. You know, I got this. Basically, what it comes down to, it comes to a point where they say, they determine they got this, you know. And, you know, and it, it, it breaks my heart when I see that, you know. We've got one guy um, that went through the program, and he's uh, on life support right now because he went out and used, is my understanding. So we're praying hard for him. You know, his name is Shane, so please keep him in your prayers. Um, but, um, but God is good. God is faithful. And, um, you know, the, 
I just encourage you to work on your relationship with the Lord. Work, you know, really keep in touch with the Holy Spirit. You know, God will protect you, you know, if you seek his face and, and, and stay close to him. I had, you know, one of the things which I had to resolve, which I'm just about, I'm just about there with resolving it um, during this time of Teen Challenge, and, and it's part of my testimony, is that, you know, I was working for a, um, a chemical company um, back in 2001. And there's always details in the story, some that I remember, some that I don't, so I apologize if it doesn't completely make sense. I'll try, I'll try to have it make sense here. Um, and I was working, um, and I had to travel a lot. Most of my travel was in Europe. And, um, but this particular time in, in August, uh, um, in the summer of 2001, I had, a, I had to make plans to travel to Fresno, California. Uh, because I had to be out there for a business meeting. The business meeting was in September. So, you know, usually in the corporate world, you know, the, the travel system, it, it determines what flight you should take, and, you know, your secretary will bring it in, or somebody will bring it in, and you'll just say, hey, that's the flight, book it. You know, one less thing you have to think about. And there were no direct flights to Fresno, so I had to go by way of a connecting airport um, from uh, Newark to California. So... My uh, secretary brings me in the flight uh, plans in like the third week of August. And there were several choices on there. There was the first choice, which was, had a big check mark next to it. And the first one at the top of the page is the one you're always supposed to pick because that's the plane that is picked out for you based on some algorithm or something or other. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but in any, any sense, that's what you're supposed to pick. And then there are three or four other choices below it. And she brought this paper in, and I saw the check mark, I saw the plane, and I saw the other choices below it, and it's just, I just froze. It's, I really can't really explain it except the spirit overcame the flesh that day. And I paused long enough to see that there was, the flight below it was the cheaper. So I picked the, the flight below it, which was cheaper. And took off that morning, um, and got on the plane, and I had my Bible and my, my carry-on. I, it was only when I got to the airport that I realized I had a five-hour flight in front of me because I had never been to California before. And um, I'd gone to the bookstore when I was at the airport, but there was only really secular books and you know, uh, novels, and I really wasn't, felt I was going to read. So I had my Bible and my carry-on, and I figured that's good enough for me uh, for the flight. So I got on the plane, and uh, we take off, and we get over Ohio. And the pilot comes over the plane speaker and he says, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we don't know what's going on, but all the planes across the United States of America have been asked to make emergency landings at the nearest available airport. So it was the morning of September 11th. So he goes, as soon as we can identify an airport to land at, we'll let you know. And so he went off the speaker, panic ensued a little bit here and there, you know, an elderly woman shrieked, you know, what's happening, what's happening? And the young man in front of me, he started to weep and, and cry, and I, I touched his shoulder, I go, are you okay? And he turned to me, and he just couldn't speak, his eyes were welled up with tears, and I said, I'm, I'm sure we'll be okay, I'm sure we'll be okay, I mean, I didn't know what was going on. And a couple next to me, they started, you know, opening up their cell phones, and so the pilot comes back on the air, and he says, we've identified the nearest airport. And the New York Times said 
reported to be Cincinnati. I think it was Cleveland to this day, but it's been 17 years. So it's a little fuzzy, but it was Ohio. And so we emergency landed in Ohio. And, you know, all the, all the, all the uh, trains were down, all of the, uh, uh, the buses uh, weren't going, and obviously all the planes were grounded. But I ended up meeting a guy at a rental car place across the street who was in Ohio from New Jersey, never got off the ground. So he ended up getting a rental car, and he, you know, we partnered together, and we drove back from Ohio to, to Newark. About what was usually supposed to be a seven- or eight-hour travel ended up being 11 or 12 hours just because of the chaos uh, that was occurring across the country. We got back. I, I took a day off from work. You know, I was living in Manalapan at that time, which is uh, Monmouth County. And, you know, I took the day off, and, the, and the, the government had sent in fighter jets, you know, and I don't know if any of you remember what was going on, but, you know, they started to circle the area. That's how, obviously, intense it had gotten, you know, day, day two, day three, day four. But I got back to the office the next day, and my secretary comes down, like, rushing down to my office, and she goes, Eric, Eric, are you all right? I go, yeah, you know, landed in Ohio, you know, drove back, made it back. She goes, Eric, that plane that had the check mark at the top of the page was the one that crashed in Pennsylvania. And, you know, I just, uh, I just felt the Holy Spirit come over me at that point in time with the understanding of what God had done in the power of the Spirit that day. And the president of the company uh, came down later that day and asked me to say a few words before the employees and so I went in, and I didn't know what I was going to say at first, but I certainly wasn't going to tell them that I had a lucky rabbit's foot or my fingers crossed. You know, I told them about God. I told them, you know, work on, always work on a relationship with God, um, you know, uh, because you never know, you know, when God is going to take you home. And you want to also uh, just have that relationship in place at all times, at least being been pressing into it. So, um, you know, God protected me. Um, uh, lost that job a year later. I guess I was done there. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm thankful that God uh, keeps me and um, is still working on me. So thank you very much. All right. The, uh, the next man... Definitely deserves a, a pat on the back because he hasn't given up. He's been at our Teen Challenge facility multiple times. And uh, since the seed of hope in Jesus Christ has been planted him, he's never given up on him. Even though he has backslidden and has gone back to old ways, he's never forgotten about the power in Jesus Christ and continues to grab hold of him and is now back with us and is a great asset to our program and our facility on campus. He's a great handyman. And a great drum player. Now we'll introduce you to Michael B. Woo! How's everybody doing today? All right. Can I be real? Say Mike, be real. I can't hear you. I got a lot of energy. I got ADHD. Along with the rest of the planet. Now my story starts off really young. Like I said, I had ADHD. My parents didn't know what to do with me. So they took me to the Children's Specialized Hospital and I got put on medication. I think it was uh, Adderall at the time. 
and I had trouble sleeping, so they put me on Klonopin uh, to go to sleep. So Klonopin's a Schedule II narcotic. So I was put on narcotics at the age of eight years old. So this had a profound effect on my life. And in, in Proverbs it says, so a man thinks in his heart he is. I thought I was different. There was something wrong with me. Why do I have to take these pills to be normal? And uh, I sought negative attention to, to, to comfort me. So I was, you know, I was a little bad kid. And uh, my parents got me a drum set, about 10 years old, to give me something to do because I was climbing up the walls and running on the ceiling. <laughs> but uh, it didn't solve the problem. It gave me something to do, but I still had a problem. So, uh, you know, I, I got good at the drums because I liked to play them. It gave me something to do. It was kind of fast. It took, you know, every body part. So, uh, you know, I put a lot of time into it. So I was in the marching band in high school. And I started smoking cigarettes because I was a bad kid. And uh, I started smoking weed. So I went to go meet one of my friends after band practice. I had to cross a major road, and I got hit by a car at 40 miles an hour. And I broke my ankle, my tibia, fibia, cracked my femur, uh, four ribs, and shattered my shoulder. But that wasn't the worst thing that happened. I got introduced to painkillers. And uh, it took me on a 16-year addiction of heroin and it ravaged my life. I dropped out of high school. I ended up in prison. Uh, I lost a fiancé to an overdose. And uh, my family went through a tough divorce because my father was an enabler and my mom wasn't. But thanks to my mom's prayers, um, I did a prison sentence when I was 21. I did two and a half years in a Bordentown prison. And uh, I became a menace to society. I learned how to do everything wrong, and I just, I, I hated myself and the world. And uh, I soon became in trouble with the law after I got out. And uh, I got incarcerated again, and that's when I, I lost my fiancé to an overdose. And to be locked in a box with all your emotions and your insecurities, I'm crying in my cell. A guy comes over to me and puts his arm around me. You really don't do that. You know, it's not something you do in jail. <laughs> but as soon as this man touched me, I felt, I felt different. And he goes, do you know Jesus Christ? And I said, uh, no, I don't, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. I heard about him. You know, I was raised Roman Catholic. You know, go to confession, a couple Our Fathers, Hail Marys, 25 push-ups, you're good to go. <laughs> but, uh... It touched me. You know, I could feel there's something different about this man. And I would notice he would pray every day and would be reading his Bible. So, you know, I, I accepted Jesus in that jail cell. Now, I wish my life would have got a lot better. It didn't. Uh, I chose to, uh, you know, keep doing what I was doing. I didn't really hear the full gospel. But thanks to the prayers of my mother, I got sentenced to Teen Challenge. Believe that. She was working behind the scenes to get me in. So I did 15 months in Teen Challenge in Newark, New Jersey. And, uh, you know, in, in, uh, you can be around Jesus and the gospel and hear it and learn nothing. You know, I missed the mark because I still had these little sins in me that I didn't want to let go of. And I graduated. I have everything on the outside. I was a master manipulator and I manipulated my family, you know, the program, the leaders, whatever, that I was a changed man. And I wasn't. 
Um, I got out. I was uh, in Romans 6. Paul speaks of being ashamed of the gospel. And I was ashamed. And I didn't go to church. I didn't do devotions. I didn't read my Bible. And uh, my father suddenly passed away. And I didn't know what to do because all my hope was in dad. Dad was my enabler. He was always there for me whenever I called. And my faith wasn't in my true father. So I ended up going on this crazy relapse. I was homeless in Newark, living in an abandoned building, not showering, not eating. I was down to about 110 pounds, and God stopped me in my tracks. He gave me a kidney stone about that big, (laughs) and it caused me to go to the hospital. My mom came. She's like, you know you need to go back home. I was like, I can come home? She goes, no, you need to go back to Teen Challenge. And I was like, you know what, you're absolutely right. And I called, and they were um, gracious enough to let me come back. I mean, within a day or so, I was back. And uh, I fully, I gave those little sins I had, and I fully committed to the Lord. You know, we went to a Matthew West concert last night, and his new new, uh, CD is titled All In. So that's kind of my motto for this month. I'm kind of all in. And uh, I get to share with the guys because I'm on a leadership team. Because I already did the program, so you get like, you got to do like half the program, and you know. So I get to run prayer, I get to run devotions, and I get to share where I messed up. So the guys don't have to do that. And it's truly a blessing to be on every single ministry we have. So I really don't sleep much, which is cool, <laughs> because I'm all right with that. I got a lot of energy. But uh, it's a blessing to be here. Dude, you rock the drums, man. I. Yeah, it's cool to see a pastor rock out. I'm like, that's that, I wanted to be that guy one day, you know. But like, I'm not ashamed anymore. I'm like, I used to try to be that cool guy on the street, you know. And Jesus is kind of cool, you know what I mean? He took it like a champion and went to the cross. And uh, I try to be more like that every day. So with that, I'll leave you with Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be made white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be made like wool. Thank you. I really wish I had the uh, before picture of the next guy who's going to testify because he was a mess. <laughs> he was really bad. And uh, he came to us via Maine. I mean, God put him on a plane and sent him to us, and he accepted that, uh, that challenge that was offered to, to make a transformation in his life. And I'm really proud and grateful that he is still with us, and uh, there was plenty of opportunity for him to leave the program because of some of the issues that have sprung up while he was there, but he continues to persevere through them and to work on them and actually overcome his anger issues, which was a huge root of his problems. But uh, I definitely look up to him and I applause him and I uh, can't wait till he's totally 100% free of, of that anger issue that he is addressing on a daily basis and making uh, milestones on. So I present to you James Farley. Thank you, John. Um, as John said, I'm from Maine. I'm from Bar Harbor, Maine, a little island off the coast of uh, Maine. 
Um, I've come down to the program. I've been there about six months now. Um, I went out one day, ran into a guy who was doing drug awareness team up in Maine, and uh, he happened to be a buddy of mine. And I was like, dude, where have you been for like the last eight months? <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm here at Teen Challenge. So I found out about Teen Challenge through when one of the ministries that I'm on that I go out on with John and a few of the other guys here. We go out on drug awareness team each week and be able to go out and help touch somebody's life, help reach into them, let them know about Jesus Christ, who's a Lord and Savior, and uh, to be able to help um, guide them, you know, try to help them get into a program and put it on their heart. But um, my story starts back way before that. Um, I started, I went fresh out of high school. I graduated early so I could go into the military. Um, I went over and uh, turned 17 in boot camp. Um, came out and uh, ended up going over and doing a tour in Iraq and uh, did some stuff in Afghanistan and uh, went over there and was about there almost three years and um, lost my best friend. I uh, watched him bleed out and die in my arms. Um, saw a lot of horrible things, a lot of horrible atrocities that happened and um, had to do a lot of horrible things. And uh, they've haunted me for all the days of my life um, up until recently. Um, this program gives you hope, and it gives you freedom, and it gives you a purpose. Um, I used to suffer terribly from PTSD, survivor's guilt, um, night traumas. And uh, you can ask any of these guys afterwards. I used to come in. I couldn't even talk about this. Like, I'm talking about you guys, and I'm starting to get a little teary-eyed, but before even the mention of it, I would start bawling my eyes out. And um, I didn't sleep barely for almost 10 years, and um, it was almost a month into the program. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and uh, he took that burden away. He has completely broken the chains of addiction from me. He's broken the chains of PTSD, survivor's guilt, and night traumas. I actually can sleep now. Praise God. It's been almost 10 years. I've slept more than a half an hour a night. Um, and that's just a small bit of it, what he's done for me since coming to the program. Like John said, I've suffered from anger from all the loss, from all the stuff that I had to do. And I was angry about it. Really angry. Um, I've gone through a lot. I've been shot. I've been stabbed. I've been beaten nearly to death. Um, I got a bullet wound from and crushing in my helmet you can't really see here but afterwards i'll gladly show you the scars uh, <laughs> i got a scar here on the top of my forehead from where i was shot in the helmet crushed in on my skull got shot with a bullet fragment that went through my best friend and uh, into my arm and a couple down my side and um, was bleeding in the sand for two days and then um, and like i said i lost my best friend that day he was like a brother to me he grew up with me we weren't supposed to be in the same unit and we was um, and just by God, and he sacrificed himself for me, which he showed me the true love like Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, you know, and I'm not comparing him to Jesus, no way, <laughs> he, yeah, but, um, yeah, he, he, uh, he, uh, you know, he, he showed me, and since coming to this program, you know, I used to use that as a burden, and really, God's put it on my heart, and he's shown me that I can use that as an opportunity to help the next guy through, through it to help the next guy know that there's a purpose to be able to connect with people on DAT that are suffering in it because you can see it in their eyes um, that there is hope that God is a hope gives you hope before coming to the program I had no hope whatsoever I honestly was trying to kill myself 
I did not want to live another day. I couldn't take another minute of it. At, by the end of it there, I was shooting up heroin, fentanyl, and benzo mix, which is an extremely deadly combo. combo. But by the grace of God, I'm still here. <laughs> he had other plans for me because I should be dead a hundred times over. But uh, he keeps showing me that it's not his will, and it's not my will. I have to walk, live and walk by his will. You know, um, I've learned to surrender myself to God since coming to this program, to surrender to his will. So learned how to pray, learned that there is truly a God, and that the struggle is real, but so is God. Um, before, on October 13th, 2013, one of those times that I wanted to die, I ended up succeeding and um, found myself waking up that morning, overdosing, and then walking out of my bedroom to stand in about three feet of water and getting electrocuted and blown through my bedroom wall. The, my mother, of all people, my mother found me three and a half hours later, gone, just blue, half, half in my bedroom, half in the water. And uh, she called an ambulance, and um, they were, they were, they gave me Narcan. Didn't do anything. They defibrillated me six times. On the sixth time, they were like, "We're calling it." I was there in the middle of calling me dead, pronouncing me dead when I come to, when I woke up and came to, and was like, "What's going on?" And um, I suffered from s- severe seizures after that for years, um, up until this, till this new year. Um, I was suffered from seizures, and I was going in and out of rehabs, trying to get a handle on the drug addiction, trying to figure out how to get this, get this seizures to stop, how to get control of my life again, and um, I couldn't do it. Finally, I just gave up one day. It was uh, the first of January, and I was like, "Lord, I can't do this anymore. I got to." Um, Either if I'm going to die, I'm going to die, but I just can't do it anymore. So I stopped taking Suboxone. I stopped taking my seizure medications. I stopped taking my, my pain medications that I was on, non-narcotic pain medications. And um, I uh, came to, and about, it was like hazy 10 days, really hazy 10 days. All I remember is going into seizures very often, having a little bit of time that I could get some to drink, and then... Next thing I know, I'm waking up a few hours later again. Um, and uh, I come to, on the 10th day, the seizures have gone. Uh, January 10th is the last time I've had a seizure. And I haven't had any medications. I haven't had nothing. But most importantly, coming into this program, I was dead, dead in sin. I was numb to the pain. I was numb to everything. Um, except for sorrow and torment and guilt and anger, <laughs> definitely with the anger. Um, it's uh, this program, they, you know, I come in, they've given me hope. I come in and just immediately all the guys surrounded me with a, such a love that I've never known before. And um, the guys have really, really helped lift me up. They've helped direct me. John's been a huge, huge help, a huge role model for me. Uh, especially with the whole anger issue. I mean, it's gotten better. It, it was terrible when I came in. But um, like right now, we're doing 30 scriptures in 30 days. I'm trying to memorize. Not doing that good. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's been, it's, I'm, I've been currently on a 30-day restriction for letting my anger get out on me. Um, I, I didn't hurt anybody or anything, but my mouth got me in trouble. And um, 
it's been a blessing. It really, truly has. Um, I like Mike and Chris here. I'm on every ministry on the mountain, pretty much. It's actually given me a little bit of time away from it and be able to focus on God and be able to focus on schoolwork and be able to focus and reflect on myself and realize that I needed to be a better role model for the younger students that come in here and um, that they look up to me, especially a couple of the younger guys. They they do, and I've realized that um, I think that Jesus Christ already fought that battle for me. He's already won. He won it on the cross. He he's forgiven me, and um, that he's he has his plans are for my for my good. To, to prosper me, and um, so I just got to give it to Him, seek Him daily, and um, just focus on Him. But um, this program truly has saved my life. Like I had nothing coming into this program; I couldn't even get here. One of the guys from the program, he's uh, was a staff member. He's currently moved on to another to another job, but he paid out of his own pocket for me to get here. He paid almost six hundred dollars to fly me down from Maine when I was at the lowest point of the low, like I was in the basement of the basement of the basement of rock bottom. I was literally planning on just killing, just because I couldn't do it with the drugs, I was planning on just doing it with a gun because I couldn't do it anymore. But And I couldn't pay for anything to come into the program. But I was like, I have nothing, dude. I was like, there's no way. He's like, just don't worry about it. He's like, go to detox. I was like, well, all right, I'll go to detox, but there's really not much I can do. He's like, just go to detox. So I did... And then about two weeks later, it's like two days before I was getting out of detox. I'm like, okay, I, I, I can hitchhike there. It's like, I have no clue how I'm going to get there. He's like, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Just call me when you're getting out. I was like, okay. I called him that morning that I was leaving. I told him I was leaving it by 12, 1 o'clock that afternoon. Uh, he's like, all right, call me when you're walking through the doors. And I called him when I walked through the doors. And Sean's like, all right, just go to the airport. I was like, I can't go to the airport. I don't have any money for that. He's like, just go to the airport. I was like, all right. So I went to the airport, and there was a plane ticket waiting for me. And uh, it's because of, you know, contributions from people like you guys who sponsor us. That have, we have our dollar-a-day program. Because of that, you know, it's, I have hope again. I have a life again. I can be a father to my daughter again who's down here in Jersey. And... um that that act of kindness and love really does help us. It really does. There's a lot of guys, like I think 90% of the guys that come in can't afford this program. And, um, you know, with, when you guys sponsor us, it really truly does make the difference. It really does. Um, like with my daughter, I can be a father again to her. I hadn't seen her in three and a half years. These guys reunited me with her. You know, they um, they're making it so I can see her again and actually... Because of God and his plan, I actually have the opportunity to have 100% custody back of my daughter as soon as I'm done the program. And it's amazing. I, I've seen him do, God do so many miracles. Like my daughter got hurt about a month and a half, almost two months ago now. She uh, broke her foot. She had about a two-inch fracture down the side of her left foot. And um, her mother called me and was like, yeah, she's like, Abigail broke her foot. She's hurt. She's got a blood infection. She's not breathing well. She's got her heart's fluttering from her stress of her body, the way it's fighting against this infection. She's like, she's freaking out. She's like, I need you here. They were in Philadelphia in uh, the children's hospital there. And it was really bad. And I had all I could do to stay. Like you said, I've, I've had a few times that's popped up that I've, they begged me to come home or she's, uh, 
and like, I, I need you here. And we, I ended up having to be still. We all prayed for her that night. This was on Wednesday night. And um, a couple of these guys behind me kept praying with me. We prayed all night. We prayed all day the next day. And that next morning, I almost didn't go out on the drug awareness team because I was worried about my daughter. I was like, you know, I really, in case I get another phone call, i got to be able to fly at a moment's notice to go to go be with her in Jefferson Hospital. And um, But I followed God's will. I went out on DAT that day, talked to some people, actually led a couple to God used me to be able to, because to, all the glory goes to him, truly does, he used me to be able to speak to some, into life into some people and to speak to them about Jesus Christ and help one get into detox that morning. But um, that day I prayed all day. I was singing praises on the box to him. Because you can tell I like to sing. <laughs> um, and uh, I come back that night, you know, with all the guys were praying for her all day on the on that day when I was gone. And uh, I come back, and normally we're only allowed phone calls on Mondays and Wednesdays. Well, they let me have a phone call Thursday night to be able to call her. And uh, Re- Rebecca, her mother, she's like, I'm holding an uh, x-ray from yesterday. I'm holding six from today. They cannot find that fracture on her foot. Her blood infection went away after one round of antibiotics, and her heart and breathing went back to normal. It's truly amazing. They had no explanation for it. And I didn't even have to say it. My daughter's like, Daddy, God, God healed me, Daddy. Daddy, God healed me. And it's amazing to know that she knows God. To that, And I pray for that every day, that he just continues to reveal himself in her life and my life and uh, guides her. And she's actually one of the ones, the reason why um, she led me back to the Lord, my little girl. She she truly did. She was ta- talking to me about God and how she was going to church, and she's the one that made me want to get help. I mean, God put it on my heart, but she's the one. He used her to be able to put it on my heart to seek God again. And then you can ask John. I try to seek him daily. I try to help uh, get the guys to seek him daily. I try to be now. I try to be a role model instead of being the guy in the back just being like, whatever walking off peace no i'm just kidding but um yeah um psalms 23 is one that stuck with me my entire life i know it's a popular one but the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me down the path for his name of righteousness for his namesake Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, because thou art with me. With rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare me a place at the table of my enemies. You anoint my head in oil. My cup overflows. Surely your kindness and mercy and goodness will follow me for all the rest of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Thank you guys for having us here. We truly, truly, this is some of the best times that we have is coming out, and this is our highlights of the week is coming out to be able to sing for you guys, to be able to minister to you guys and to, uh, to connect with you guys. So we thank you. We love you guys. Amen. So I hope all of you uh, took something from each one of these men's testimony. And uh, I think it's obvious that the uh, sinful nature doesn't segregate. It goes after everybody in every situation you can possibly be in. And I know it's hard to see, but... These men, within the last few months, were smoking crack, intravenously using drugs, popping pain pills to just get through a day. 
but the grace of God Amen. has saved them and Amen. delivered them and inclined them to get to know him. He has called them out from that, and they have taken on the, uh, the task to fulfill that uh, purpose-driven life through Jesus Christ and through by his Holy Spirit. And we are grateful that uh, God can use us at Teen Challenge to, as, as a vessel to give them the gospel of Jesus Christ, which saves lives daily. I mean, we, we are witnessing miracles on a daily basis, and sometimes it becomes so monotonous and such a regular thing it just one doesn't just might not pop out to you uh, to us on a daily basis, but we know they're there and they're there on a regular basis. So uh, if you guys can, a lot of these men, they have nothing when they come in but a desire to change. And it's obvious that it costs money to house and feed and clothe and to provide their needs and necessities while they go through a 15 month program. And some of them need months on months to even just to get it, to accept and receive Christ as their Savior. So they need the time. So we just ask if any of you, uh, God has put it on any of your hearts, to support and to sponsor any one of these men or any one of our men on our campus to sacrifice $1 a day. It's just $1 a day, $30 a month, to support one of our men and to provide the necessities that they need to, to get through the program. And uh, we appreciate it. You can come see me at the table out in the hall if anybody is interested. And uh, you also, as a token of our appreciation, we also have a sauce for change now that is exclusive for sponsorships. So uh, if you come to me at the table and we can speak about it and uh, I can introduce you to our sauce for change. So once again, we just thank you so much for having us. We cannot be who we are without you all. And uh, whether you, you know it or not, you are a great pillar to Teen Challenge ministry, and we love you guys, and we just ask you to continue to pray for us and continue to pray for the men who are in the program, the men who have left the program, and the men who are uh, not come into the program yet, the ones who God's still making a way for them. So we just thank you. And uh, Pastor Dan, we just have a little gift for you. I should have just come up and have one of our Coffee for Changes and our Change Lives Volume 4 book. Thank you so much for having us, brother. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.